Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak. If you're looking for a podcast that rocks you to the top, well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Decibel Geek Podcast. My name is Aaron Camaro, joined as always by my fellow Tesla-loving friend, Chris Sinzak. I'm excited. Oh, super excited, man. I always love doing albums Unleashed, and it always seems to be albums that we really, truly love, and today mm-hmm. is no exception. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. I've been wanting to do this for a while. I've become pretty friendly with Troy Lucchetta over the last couple of years, and been wanting to get him on the show, and this week we finally get that. And uh, before we get into it, I also want to make, let you know, if you're anywhere near the Nashville area... In February, yeah, they're doing a great show at the Ryman Auditorium. It's a headline show. You're going to get deep tracks. You're going to get stuff off the new album. Yeah, we're going to talk about that with Troy. He's going to let you know that there's going to be a change to the lineup of songs that they're yeah. playing. So this is something special for the Tesla fans. Yeah, so join us at the Ryman this coming month, and uh, it's going to be great. But we got to take care of some business first. Yeah, we do. We always got to take care of the business right off the top. The reviews and recommendations, man. We got what all three. Just two. Oh, no, just two this time. That's okay. We'll take them. You guys have been awesome about this. Keep them coming. This one comes to us. It's uh, through iTunes, and it's five stars. We like that. Comes to us from Holmes, 220, right here in the USA. Goes a little something like this. Every time I listen to the Decibel Geek, I am impressed with Aaron and Chris's knowledge of rock and metal and can tell that they are diehard fans who bring only the best podcasts to the masses. Their look inside certain albums and artists' careers are my favorite ones to listen to out of all the podcasts. Well, good. You're going to love today. Thanks, guys, for bringing top-quality podcasting every week. Disappointed that I can only give five stars. Rock on. Awesome. Sweet review. Five stars. Can't beat it. 
Here's a Facebook recommendation. Comes to us from Scott Crouch, and it goes like this. Regular guys who know their hard rock and give all the best and more that the best local radio used to do back in the day. For lovers of 70s, 80s, and 90s rock, as well as newer stuff in the same vein. Keep rocking, guys. Job well done. Awesome. Those are great. That's the way it's done. Yeah, keep it Sweet up. reviews and recommendations. All the stars that you can give us, we'll take them all. Yeah, and our other favorite people this week, the Geeks of the Week. These are the people that shared on Facebook or retweeted on Twitter last week's album anticipation episode. Has New Guns N' Roses been released yet? Not yet. Oh, not yet. Okay, Any day keep now, waiting. I'm sure. <laughs> Anytime. All right, Geeks of the Week this week include Doug Metal, Matt Ashcraft, Kevin Williams, Dan Nation, Todd Cunningham, David Cathy, Joseph Capone, Paul Korn, Rodney Dixon, Simon Cat, Bill Elam, Sneed Rock, Mikhail Burrell, Trevor McDougal, David Glenn, Aaron Baker, Brad Calmanson, Denver D. Serrano, Shane Abair, Sean Cullen, Mike Parnell, Adam Cox, Mark Alton Taylor, Freeform Rock Podcast, Steve Wright, Jay Shablewski, Twisted Kister, Christopher Stokes, Eladio, Daniel Lee, Jeffrey Mendenhall, and of course, the, the Mooger Fooger. Yes, thank you to everybody that shares and retweets just like these fine folks did. You do the same for this week's episode. Share it with your Tesla-loving friends. Yeah. They'll love you even more for it, and you will become an honorary geek of the week. Man, this is special. Yeah. This is special today. You guys are going to get to find out some stuff you never knew before. Yeah, great stories about the beginnings of Tesla, the recording process, and mechanical resonance. A lot of cool behind-the-scenes looks. Heck yeah. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. Here we go. Albums Unleashed, Tesla, Mechanical Resonance, right here on the Decibel Geek Podcast. Thanks for coming on, first of all. Yeah, it's um, awesome. We do these series of shows called Albums Unleashed. It's probably our most popular theme that we do. We basically take an album that Aaron and I love every song on and get somebody that was involved with the record, talk about how it was made, stories behind the making of it, songwriting stuff, all that stuff. And uh, this was a good one. I talked to you about which one you wanted to do, and this seemed like a natural choice because you could kind of talk about the beginnings of the band this way Mm -hmm. because it was the first one. Absolutely. So, this was released December 8th, 1986 on Geffen Records, produced by Steve Thompson, Michael Barbiero, and recorded at Bearsville Studios. But let's go back before this. So, I understand the band was calling itself, still calling itself City Kid while you were recording this? The band was called City Kid, yeah, while we were tracking the record. So, I'll preface, we're going to go a little bit further back, a couple years back uh, when I joined the band. Okay. So the song Coming At You Live, mm-hmm. they had written when they were in Guam. They, the band had went to Guam and played out there, played some club. And, you know, they had like a, I don't know if it was a residency, you know. Or, yeah. And, and um, when I had gotten this phone call from a guy named Dwayne Hitchings, he was over at Eddie Money's house, and he said, hey, I want to come play your demo of this band I'm producing. Mm-hmm. An Eric Martin band, I was just coming off that. That band had just broken up. Mm-hmm. We were getting ready to wrap things up. I said, sure, come on over. He played me songs, uh, two songs, uh, a song called Restless Hearts and uh, Rock City. Both of them recorded with a drum machine. Mm-hmm. But right away when I heard Jeff's voice, I was like, hmm. Yeah. I think I, I think I want to check this out, you know. I yeah. mean, it just kind of really caught my attention. So I went down, seen the band, and, and I remember them playing Coming At You Live that night. And I thought that was really cool. They were playing lots of covers. They had a few originals. Nothing that I really remember. Mm-hmm. But that one particular track which is obviously a staple for the band, yeah, you know, right, which yeah. is cool because I always I always thought it was a great song. And uh, so what happened was when I joined the band, we started 
just writing and writing and writing. And we were playing at clubs, a place called the Oasis in Sacramento. And um, what happened was uh, we were there pretty much quite a bit, a few times out of the month, doing, you know, three nights in a row and playing covers, writing, putting some originals in. And um, I think it was probably after we had went to... We opened for Ron Keel doing a showcase for a gal named Teresa Ensonat. Okay. The Country Club in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And um, that was the night that she knew she was going to sign the band. And she brought us to a guy named Tom Zutad, who was at Electra yeah. Records. And Tom yeah. was the guy who signed Motley Crue, Dawkin, oh. and Guns yeah. N' Roses. Yeah, he's and a big figure. Bands like that. So he's seen us. They knew they wanted to sign us. Long story short... We, we ink a deal with Geffen Records when he made the move from Electra to Geffen. Okay. And we had a manager at the time that didn't work out. I'm going to go real short on this story um, because I'm going to fast forward to Cliff Bernstein and Peter Mensch, who managed at Q Prime Management. They had Metallica, Dokken, Queensryche. Um, who else was on there? On, uh, they had quite a few bands. At, at any rate, they had a pretty good roster. Mm-hmm. Def Leppard. They yeah. had Def Leppard as well. So they flew out to see us because Tom was going to sign us. He knew he was going to sign us. We hadn't made the record. So when they came out to see the band in the club, they liked the band. And they they said, well, write some new songs mm-hmm. and send us some new tracks. Well, that next week, and I'm telling you, in about a seven-day period, I think we probably wrote... 80% of mechanical resonance. Wow. Yeah. A lot of good songs on there. Serious chemistry going on. Yeah. So we, we were writing machines. If my memory serves me well, that's my reality. I could be lying to you um, <laughs> because I can't always trust that. But that's how I remember it. Yeah. And, um, you know, and basically we sent those tracks out and... Um, and they signed us. That's or, pretty that, cool. That kind of got the ball rolling, you know? Yeah. Because uh-huh. you hear, always hear the story, like, the first album, like, oh, these are the songs this band's been playing for years. Yeah, not the case. Not yeah. the case here. <laughs> this is very That's different. pretty wild. Was, was Sacramento, like, a, a big rock scene at the time? There was a good club scene going on. And there yeah. were some bands out there that were, you know, making some noise. And, you know, I was from the Bay Area, and I was in the San Francisco markets, and I was with Eric Martin Band coming off all that. And there was a great scene mm-hmm. happening. Oh, yeah. you know, they had the Bay Area Music Awards, the Bammy Awards, and all this cool stuff. And you had all the, you know, the best of the best of what was happening. I mean, you had Jefferson Starship. You had Carlos Santana. You had um, uh, Journey. Yeah. Eddie Money. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric Martin Band, which was mm-hmm. Night Ranger. You had just so much Y&T. music. Y&T. Metallica. You know, Metallica, I mean, it was just, it was off the charts, man. It was so cool. The scene was really happening, you know. So, I mean, obviously, it's a different scene today, but... um, Was there ever any thoughts of going down to L.A. and, like, stationing there? Well, we did go down there, and we did some demos. Yeah. Um, But um, the band never wanted to really do the L.A. thing. The band really wasn't an L.A. band. Uh, You know, we ended up um, going to... um, Woodstock, Bearsville Studios, mm-hmm. 
up, uh, upper state New York, and uh, we started pre-production for two weeks. We went into this rehearsal barn with our producers to start fleshing out the songs that we were going to record. We had a two-track set up in there, and we would just go in there, and we would you know, go through the songs, and we would just get a good, nice live feel of what it is we wanted to record. Mm-hmm. And, and this record was approached that way with all of us playing in a room mm-hmm. you know, on 24 tracks, you know, two-inch tape, and um, yeah, man, we were just full of piss and vinegar, man, and we were just ready to go, you yeah. know. And, and Steve Thompson was the guy that really was like a, the, the greatest cheerleader because his whole thing was vibe. Michael Barbiero was a real music guy and a great engineer, and uh, Steve would just, man, if it, he, anything slick, man, that we would, if it didn't have vibe and energy, man, mm-hmm. he was in the room. I mean, just, that was a great experience. So he had a real hand in He really did, you know. Well, when, you know, when I look back, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. both of them did, for sure. Yeah, because the album's loaded. I mean, if nothing else, with vibe and energy, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely a, uh, you know, a record. You know, it's funny. I remember when it was finished. I remember getting it, and I remember not being real happy with it, you know. Really? It's kind of weird. I've always had these expectations that have always exceeded. And, and, it, and it, I, I, I mean, today I'm really happy with it. You know, it's, yeah. it's sonically, it, you know, the mixes are a little watered down, you know, a little verby. And, but it, that was the time, yeah. you know, yeah. of what people were doing. But they were natural sounds. They weren't overblown processed with you know what mm-hmm. some of the stuff that was happening back then yeah it's not as processed as like a lot of the keith olsen stuff yeah that era was where yeah it was completely processed right so, it's funny you mentioned keith i worked with keith and i'll tell you about that later well not to put him which down, was no it was a great story i loved keith it's yeah. fantastic no i loved what he was doing back then but, but yeah so that was a real time of things shifting into the like i guess the digital age where mm-hmm. everything they stopped using tape so much and went more with effects and stuff but the album has a rootsy sound yeah. to it still. Yeah, it still um, still seems to be doing okay, I guess. Yeah, yeah. it still holds I, uh, up. Got the legacy. I, te- sure. I teased that I didn't say we're coming to talk to you today, but I, I put the album cover on my Facebook today, and I just said research, and I had a bunch of listeners already get excited. They're like, "Please tell me you're doing an album unleashed on, uh-huh. on this album," because it's it's a big favorite of a lot of Tesla fans. Yeah. But I wanted to uh, th- let me go, let me go over this because okay. do you remember the Rolling Stone review for this album? I do not. Can I read it to you? Absolutely. The weird thing is, is that they gave it four and a half out of five stars, which is good. Right. But as with Rolling Stone, there's a lot of snarkiness in the review. So oh, I want to I want to get your reaction yeah, to this. Okay. Uh, it's from May twenty first, nineteen eighty seven. Says if the combination of the album title and the group name, a tribute to the Maverick electronic theoretician Nikola Tesla, leaves you expecting something. On the order of industrial synth music, guess again. This is guitar-based hard rock. The inner sleeve even boasts no machines of the most predictable sort, distinguished only by a better-than-average melodic sensibility. Tesla takes a decidedly heavy metal approach to its material. Mostly it's the showy twin guitar attack of, is it Skioke? Tommy Skioke. Tommy Skioke and Frank Hannon that keeps the band from sounding overly polite. Fast and flashy, it's perfect post-Van Halen ear candy offering little content but plenty of excitement. Unfortunately, like many bands fresh from the bar circuit, Tesla still seems wedded to the sort of mannerisms demanded of cover bands. Thus, little Susie finds singer Jeff Keith dusting off his Paul Rogers impression, 
on the ballad We're No Good Together, he does a decent Steve Marriott. Even the title suggests an eagerness to follow any available trend. Can the spelling of Easy Come, Easy Go or Coming At You Live be anything but an attempt to duplicate some of Quiet Riot's success with Come On, Feel the Noise? <laughs> Not that such considerations much matter to the band's potential fans for whom such conservatism is an absolute virtue. But unless the band can squeeze something distinctive out of its sound, Tesla is unlikely to offer more than a brief spark of excitement before fading away entirely. Hmm. But you Look, still get four and a half stars. Four and a half out of five stars. Wow. Well, four and a half, five stars, <laughs> 32 years later, and I guess we're, everything's yeah, okay. Right. This is a long fade out that you're doing right now. Uh, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> and in all fairness, I mean, you know, I can, you know, and everybody, you know, has a thought and opinion. He's just a writer that, sure, you know, it's it's pretty pretty I don't, you know, we don't right. pay a whole lot of attention to oh, what's, what's <laughs> written or what's not written, you know, or what we did or what we didn't do. Uh, and all fairness i mean i think you know terrace tesla's uh, a good you know pretty good solid rock and roll band mm-hmm. uh are we groundbreaking absolutely not i don't believe that you know maybe to some of our fans we are mm-hmm. so but for me i i know when it comes to magazines like rolling stone and if you look at all the the best of the best that we've had yeah. from aerosmith to humble pie to led zeppelin to all of that i say this guy's right I, I don't have a problem with that. I could really? be fair with that. Well, I'm just saying that I think what I'm saying is, I mean, look, at to those bands and the Beatles and all those people, I mean, look, at those bands are tens, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, we're going to probably be, you know, if, if we hit a five, maybe we're doing okay. And I think that's fair right. because if you look at Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, I mean, we can't even get close to those records. Mm, period. We uh-huh. cannot, in my own opinion. Yeah. Those bands and the music of that time, uh, and the things that were happening, we are a product of the 80s. That's what these guys were listening to. Mm-hmm. Um, I was still in the 70s. Uh, so, and being, you know, I mean, I don't have to, I'm not a guy that gets real defensive about things. I can sure. say, okay, I could see that. That's fair, yeah. fine. I don't think it's completely right I and completely either. fair. Yeah. Um, but I see. I don't think we were, you know, we're not, we, we weren't Van Halen who came out and set trends. You know what I'm saying? Right. That we, who you know, was, so though? we weren't bad company. <laughs> exactly. We weren't those bands with that music. But when I go back and listen to a lot of the music that we've done, and I just did this recently, when because we're deep and diving into all these deep tracks. I think I have a better appreciation today mm-hmm. of what the band is. And I'm actually okay with it today. Yeah, I'm pretty proud be. of the band. Yeah. You know, you know, we've made a we've made a good living over the years. We got a lot of great fans. I mean, Phil Collin doesn't step up to produce a record <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. of something That's you know. And, and in being all fairness, I don't even know if you know know this, Def, Def Leppard has never made the cover of Rolling Stone. I didn't know that. I thought hmm. they would. Yeah, and they won't. They won't acknowledge yeah. Def Leppard. And they were the because that's who Rolling wow. Stone is. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. but they're and, and I get that. But yet they'll put Sebastian Bach on the cover, right? Yeah, uh, not to take anything away from Sebastian, no, or Skid Row, but for whatever reasons they have to do what it is they do, it's kind of like when our manager Cliff Bernstein said, "Hey, look, it, we were just offered Arsenio Hall show, mm. and and we decided to, we declined it." Uh, why did we decline it? Because perception is perception. Mm. We didn't want to do our Arsenio Hall. He said, no, we're going to hold out and we'll wait for Saturday Night Live, mm. yeah. which never came. Mm. We yeah. never did it. It never happened. They shot a lot of hard rock bands, too. You know what I'm saying, yeah. though? But it, it was... 
that was the way they made their decisions and the way they positioned Metallica. And, you know, Metallica was all fan base, no radio. Oh, yeah. You know, until the Black Album. Right. So, you know, it's all good, man. Yeah. You know? And and that's that's fine. I, I'm I'm good with it. And obviously the guy's wrong because it's 32 years yeah. later. Well, that's right. the last line Here is what are. cracked me up yeah. the most. So uh, <laughs> there there is that, and I could be you know I could be a little fair to us. But every great band has <laughs> has its detractors and has its critics. And of course. That when Kiss did their farewell tour, they even printed a review from 1974 on the back of the T-shirt, where it's a guy from Seattle saying. Something like, I hope these guys are saving their money because Kiss is not going to... Well, I mean, you, you know, I, I look, and I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I've seen all the rejection letters for you, too. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, so what? Everybody has an opinion, man. It yeah. doesn't matter. It's like, yeah, we like the Rolling Stones. We like the band. You might want to get rid of the guy with the big lips. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, he's holding you back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a great idea. Rolling Stone... Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they hate all my favorite bands. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, yeah. Yeah, right? But, um, you know, but no, I happen to personally feel, uh, I love Tesla today. I love the band. I love this. Oh, I go back and I'm listening now because we're digging deeps for tracks and things and stuff. Oh, right you know what? We've done okay, man. There's a lot of great music there. Oh, tons of There's them. a lot of great music and yeah. a lot of great songs, you know? Yeah. You know, so that's... Well, I think you're one of the bands that has stood the test of time from the, from the '80s mm-hmm. more than so sure. many others. Sure, I mean, there's, I'd put you guys and maybe Striper up there with like where I'm saying they're still doing their best material because mm-hmm. yeah. they, you know, and Striper survived it too because they went through, you know, they got mocked mer- unmercifully you know, for years, right. but they're putting out some of their best material now. Absolutely, and they've, you know, they it's like the long distance runner wins the race, you know, but. Um, what I view with this album in particular is you guys are wearing your influences on your sleeve. Because, like, I hear, I, I can hear, I hear yeah. Aerosmith, Zeppelin, sure. CCR. It's all there, yeah. In, in a lot of these songs. Yeah. Which is cool because it's. Yeah, but there's nothing pretentious about a song like We're No Good Together when I just had. I, I was on the piano when that. I wrote that on the piano. It's not that I wrote any great big. I mean, it's four chords. You know, I was playing the piano and. And Frank was on the drums and just just started singing. Boom, there it was. Yeah. I mean, that's how it came together. There was nothing pretentious about that. We weren't and never out trying to be pretentious and right. We're not that band. Right. So people, as far as that goes, that's not who we are. Yeah. We've always stayed true to who we are, writing what it is. We get a riff that feels good. We play. We go. Jeff starts singing, you know, and, it, and it's built upon a, usually a riff yeah. or a guitar. Sometimes they're very rarely back then did we have complete songs. Right. It was a lot of band, you know, it was the influence of all of us coming together, bringing those songs together. Right. Gotcha. That's cool. So let's go a little bit through the tracks and uh, just do it. Yeah. So it's track one, easy come, easy go. Like, uh, oh, you're going to love this yeah, one. Tell me the story behind this song. I got a great story for you on this one. Now, the fact of the matter is, this song, the song came together as is, mm. as you hear it. And we had a producer that was involved with the band, uh, and he decided that he felt the chorus needed to change. And it turned into a more easy come, easy go, yeah. you know, really. And, and uh, when Tom Zutat heard that, uh, he was livid. <laughs> What did you do to this song? Blah blah blah. Heard and that song unfortunately, they they let him go. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, and we ended up with Steve Thompson, Michael Barbaro after that. 
remember who the producer was? I do, but he's a dear friend of mine. Oh, okay. lives here in Nashville. It just it just happened the way it happened, you know. So right, gotcha. But uh, so Michael Wagner? No. <laughs> <laughs> we love Michael Wagner. No, it's not Michael. Okay. We've had him on the show several times. So yeah. Great guy. Um, okay, so Easy Come, Easy Go opens the album. Uh, well, before we get into more of the songs, so the name Tesla, you went from City Kid to Tesla. What was the inspiration for using the name Tesla? Well, it was real simple. Uh, we were in Bearsville, had pretty much, the record was in the middle of the recording. And I got a great story when we were looking for names. We didn't have a name at the time, and uh, the Pretenders were uh, in Studio B. Oh. With Claire Mountain, Bob Claire Mountain. And I remember uh, I had just got done smoking a joint. <laughs> and this is, you know, first album. By the way, guys, I'm 25 years sober just for the record. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but at any rate, but so I did. I, I, was, I was high and kind of, and I'm paranoid high guy. That's who I was when I'd get you know, was high in pot. You know, it just used to make me kind of paranoid and weird. And, I was sitting out there, and I was like, "Oh my God, here comes Chrissy Hine. She's walking. She's got. She's all, and she's walking right up to me. She starts up a conversation, and I'm like, I didn't even want. You know, you don't want to talk yeah. to somebody. Yeah. You know? Can't look them in the eye. And she's yeah. just going and talking and talking about her new record. Blah blah blah. She goes, "Hey, you want to come in and hear the record?" And I'm like, uh, "Sure, you know." So I'm walking down the hallway. And here comes Brian Wheat. I go, come on, Brian, come with me, man. You know, yeah, Chris is going to play us a new record, you know. So right we go in the studio, and she plays us like half the record. But while she was doing that, we told her the story a little bit about what was going on with us, and we were looking for a new name. And the next thing you know, she picks up this newspaper. She's so intelligent and so witty. She just starts rambling through the paper, and she just starts throwing names at you. And because she's so witty, yeah. everything she says made sense. Yeah. And you could have taken 100 names from her right then and there, wow. and you knew why you could because it was like just the way she sold it to you yeah. it was amazing I mean I was so blown away with her and she was so amazing so what happened we didn't really uh, we ended up leaving and you know working and doing our thing over the next few days and what happened was uh, Cliff Bernstein showed up and we were talking about the record and you know they were reviewing the record and you know and uh, the name came up again and, and he says well you know I've been thinking you know how about Tesla, mm-hmm. and we're like, well, what the for Tesla? Yeah. So he gave us the whole story of Nikola Tesla and who he was, and he felt for marketing purpose, just the name Tesla in of itself would be great. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, Tom Zutat, who signed us, had turned Cliff Bernstein onto Nikola Tesla. Really? So that's where it came from, and he told us about this book called Man at a Time about the uh, author was margaret cheney and um you know suggested we all read it so we just kind of decided that you know tesla yeah that sounds cool it's electric it's rock and roll and you know and that's kind of how the name came to be there wasn't any any of the guys that were like no we have to be city kid we don't god no nobody wanted city (laughs) kid no that, that was like no was it more of a placeholder no no that was the band i joined oh okay. city kid they were young kids playing rock and roll and for the time what they were doing i mean frankie was 17 when we signed the record contract wow when we made the first record what a whirlwind for him yeah i mean he's been doing this since he was you know 15 years old 
And a couple of few years later, I mean, here we are, and he's, that's all he knows. Mm. It's just kind of like Motley. You look at those guys. I mean, they were mm. young. Yeah, right. And you think about that. Rick Allen was, what, 15 when he came to America? I mean, think about that. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's all you know, man. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, yeah. Were there nope. any, Nobody wanted to be a city kid. Were there any <laughs> names that what you were close yeah, to? Yeah, we were Hammer Lane. Hammer Lane. For a minute. Hammer Lane. Hammer yeah, like Lane, which is, a, which is a street off I-5 between... Lodi, California, and st- in Stockton. It's actually in Stockton, California. Okay. Hammer Lane. Off of it does sound like a rock band. Hammer does, Lane. yeah. Eric Martin loved it. I told him we were Hammer Lane. He just loved it. And when we called ourselves, he's like, Tesla, <laughs> what are you talking about? That sucks. That's stupid. <laughs> to this day, he asked he Eric, ask Eric about that. Yeah. <laughs> huh. That's a trip. Well, it's better yeah. than what Firehouse used to call themselves. You know what that was? We had Perry Richardson on the show. Mm-hmm. They were going to be called Daddy's Girl. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> it was a record company decision, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and they were going to hand I, out pacifiers to their, <laughs> uh, There you go. And I think for the time and the music and the place, it probably would have been just yeah, It might have worked. Yeah, oh, yeah 89, yeah. 90, it probably would have fit right in. You know. Oh, man. All right, well, yeah. so, well, let's get back to the song. I don't think you win Grammys with a name like that, though. Yeah. So, uh, coming at you live is the second song, which uh, you know has been your. Before we go to that, I was oh, going to yeah. ask about uh, "Easy Come, Easy Go." Like it said in the uh, review on Rolling Stone about the EZ and how it was like, "Oh, that's like Quiet Riot." Is there any? No, there was no, no, there was never. Any, well, no, that was never. But I think, I think uh, Chris nailed it. I think it was just all the influences because the band was out playing and playing covers and doing. They were a young band, right? And I was in the seventies. I wasn't listening to any eighties music back then. I really wasn't. Mm-hmm. I was listening to all kinds of cool stuff back from back in the day. And you know, eighties music really didn't even do a lot for me back in the day. I was in it. I was seeing it. Yeah, I seen Quiet Riot. I see. I seen a lot of those bands, and, mm-hmm. and I thought they were cool and everything. And I, I, those were big, huge songs. I remember "Come Feel the Noise." I thought that was just phenomenal. Those are big, big tracks. But there was never anything pretentious about. Oh, let's do this or let's right. do that. Yeah. And again, there was a riff, and I, I mean, I can't even. I remember Brian and I playing the bass. Doom, doom, bugger, down, boom, boom. You know. And groove, and then it's interesting to think back now because you—it's almost hard to get back to that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because yeah. that was a time and a period. Time, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and thank God we got that. Oh, I yeah. love those songs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're fantastic. And on Easy Come Easy, and that's a theme throughout the record. Your hi hat is yeah really loud in the mix. On, yes, on it the- is. It became part of the sound for that record, yeah. and I used to get—I mean, everybody from. Tommy Lee to you name it everybody I mean everybody hit me up on that I didn't know anybody at the time and next thing I know Tommy's at my house you know what I mean and it was only because of that record and because (laughs) you know people were getting it was cool I mean I didn't know those people I wasn't getting a hold of them right you know Uh, before you know it you know people are coming around and loving the band I mean Metallica loved the band you watch the early videos they're rocking out to coming at you live you know it's awesome you know it's cool it's cool good stuff well let's get into coming at you live the uh I love the guitar duel at the beginning of the song mm-hmm. so it's I mean I guess I'm sure Tommy and Frank were big Van Halen fans at the time too, sure because they're doing some of those tricks back and forth sure. it kind of that has kind of reminds me of like the intro to Mean Street you know it has that Kind of the, I don't know what you call it, Woodley Woodley stuff at the beginning, <laughs> and then, um, but the drums are just so huge uh, on these songs. 
Wow, that's interesting. You know, um, I think they just got a rawness to them that I like. It sounds it's, like you're in a concert hall. It doesn't sound like it's yeah, out of a studio. Yeah, yeah. was finished and where my perception was it wasn't until later where I could really go oh this is cool you know? mm-hmm. so what did you good. think of it at first when you heard your drum tracks what what would you like to at that time well, like different I don't it's not you know I thought everything was pretty cool I thought the record sounded pretty good I mean today it sounds dated to me but a lot of reverbs and things but on Jeff and a little more than it's it you know, but it, it's that timestamp, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like Psychotic Supper, right? You know, mm-hmm. which is kind of timeless in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whatever. Sure. I love that record. But anyway, um, I'm very pleased with overall and what it is. It's like, you know, it's our Van Halen one, right? Yeah, sure. pretty yeah, much. Of course. Is. Yeah. I mean, I it's think, the record that put us on the map. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, Coming at you live's been a staple for as the set opener for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And it's not even in the set this year. It's not. You're opening with something else. We I've got 25 songs in there that we've got a set list of yeah. changing in and out. I mm. mean, we're going really like let's change things up. We've okay. been playing, you know last three four years on these hit packages you know yeah. opening up in 40 minutes of hits and mm-hmm. right it's like we kind of burned out on that you know now you kind of stretch out a little bit on this next one yeah we want to cool yeah that's awesome it's gonna be good i Slides think i'm really excited stuff. about the stuff we're gonna do this year yeah. some of the staples in the set it's gonna rock awesome yeah so then you i get, love that when bands do that sometimes you get sad because you oh this is the same exact show i've seen two years we, ago, no not know. this year not for tesla we got a whole new Awesome. It's going to be good. Well, I know right the on. diehards are going to yeah. love to hear yeah. that. Yeah. Awesome. So then Getting Better is track three. Any uh, particular stories on the making of that song? Wow, man. Um, I just remember Frank had the guitar part, and I remember when Jeff came up with that vocal in the intro, and uh, it just had a great working class vibe to mm-hmm. it. You know, 
Um, pretty straightforward. It's in three, you know. Mm -hmm. One, two, since seven, four. So that's what a quarter note, but it still feels like it's in four, you know? Yeah. So it doesn't really skip a beat like if you were doing a nine eight thing right. or something in that time. Song, great video, great. I, I'm all I'm good with that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When I was re reviewing it today, I love that. It's kind of an old school production technique where you've got you've got just vocal in one track and then you've got the music in the other track, like on the, in one in one ear and one in the other. And is that the, right? On the beginning, I didn't yeah, even know if I noticed yeah, that. Yeah, his vocal comes through on the left channel. Okay, and then we'll the music's see. on the right. And if channel, you go back to the day, right? Yeah. yeah, once you hit, yeah, and everybody kicks in. Yeah, and, and you know it was cool because I mean back in the day, you know, when they were recording four and eight tracks, I mean you'd have the drums, all the drums on the left, right? Yeah. And the music, and it's funny, you mute one side and you got just the vocal and the guitar, mm -hmm. you can't even hear the drum, you know? Yeah. Or you could just mute out the vocal and listen yeah. to the drum. That was cool. Yeah, we didn't go that far. And uh, what's unfortunate, you know, not to um, go on another subject, but Keith Je uh, Jeff Emmerich mm -hmm. from the Beatles uh, just passed away. And mm -hmm. Brian had just met him and did a class with him oh. in uh, Texas at uh, where we had recorded a record. Uh, at any rate, um, yeah, we were going to go in with him. Oh, wow. It was, yeah. We amazing. were going to go in with Jeff over to Sun Studios in Memphis. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's what, that was on the, we were going to do an EP. Wow. And we maybe we would have got into some of that kind of stuff. Yeah. where I'm going. Who knows, maybe we would have ended up there, but... Well, anyway, that technique's not really used too much anymore. Yeah, like no, you know, stereo. not, yeah, no, I haven't really heard... And I always okay. thought Jeff's vocals uh, at the beginning kind of remind me of Fogarty doing the song Lodi. Okay, was, well, was, I was born in Lodi, one of my favorite Oh, really? Tracks. Absolutely. Lodi, California, that's where I was born. I love this. And then the, the, when the whole thing kicks in, it kind of has an Aerosmith vibe to it mm -hmm. to me. I love that song. Like, that might be my favorite song on the first side. You know, we, still look, we still look at albums as sides. Uh, most people don't anymore. Right. You know, everybody always talk about the, the B side of Abbey Road, you know. Yeah. yeah. Right. So then you go to track four, which is the number two, late, the number four, love. Too late for love. Um, it's more cool 80s stylizing. Yeah. You know, man, I just remember that being a real busy week. Yeah. I suppose. And, um, and I think I'm probably well disillusioned on my 80% thing, you know, <laughs> the first week. Uh, but I, I know that it was a week later that we had sent off those tracks and, you know, management was excited about what we were doing because we were writing so many songs. We probably, I mean, we would just pump stuff out. Mm -hmm. Too Late for Love. I would always 
coming up with things and ideas, and I was always making a strong contribution to the tracks. It's like a marching beat at the... At yeah, the and, you know, I was, you know, so we would get into a vibe and set it up, and because we always had those twin guitar players that wanted to experiment and do things and create funky noises with the guitars and whammies and, <laughs> and uh, yeah... just start getting a vibe yeah. and fall into things and that's pretty much how that came together as most of them did yeah you know? on that one I, I, one thing I know and you, you integrated a lot through the album that a lot of 80s bands didn't do that a lot of 70s bands did was they would back up the electric guitars with acoustic tracks yeah. to kind of like beef up sure. the sound mm-hmm. I love that you guys did that on the mm-hmm. Frank would, was pretty good about that he liked grabbing his acoustic and 6 string or 12 string mm-hmm. putting some backing track behind it like in the chorus it's really prominent in the chorus yeah I always like that and then uh, track 5 Rock Me to the Top sounds like Tommy Skeel riff to me yeah um, God bless Tommy, man. He brought that side of the band, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah, I remember him just. I, I just I could see him. I got this riff. Blah 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 blah. You know. Yeah. All right, let's go, man. Let's, and there we go. Back to the top.
guys are in there and you're cranking out all these songs. Was there anything recorded that didn't make it onto the album? Tons of stuff. We've got uh-huh. tons of demos. Yeah. You save all that stuff? We do have a, it all put away. We wanted to put out a, a, a rock box thing. Yeah. You know, um, a Tesla vault. Yeah, we have. I mean... Tons of demos. Awesome. Tons of demos. I always love to hear that from my favorite bands because it's like you always get, like I like I said on the show this last week, you know, we're talking about the new album, the more Tesla songs in my life, the better I feel my life is. You know, awesome. in some bands you feel like, okay, well, they're done now, so there's a cap on that. And then when you find out your favorite bands have been saving these demos and different versions and songs and stuff like that over the years, it's like, oh, man, there's even more classic Tesla songs out there that I've never even heard. There's a lot of stuff out there that we had recorded that, yeah, we'll never probably see the light of day unless it comes out and something like that. I was going to say, don't say never, because you want to hear all that stuff. Yeah, (laughs) and you know, we started to work on all of that, and I think it had to do with the fact that Universal, who has our new record, and now they got our catalog, so we we might be able to put all that together now, Mm -hmm. because we were going to do it. But um, at the time, I think there were some confl- conflictions. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we got it. We know a guy named Sean Franklin who does that with Anthrax, mm-hmm. and Charlie Benante sends him all these old tapes and stuff, and he sits down, goes through it, and then opens up the lines of communications. And then when they come out with a like a remastered version of their album, like a classic one, it's got all kinds of extra things on there, and right. it's exciting, you know, yeah. because if you love that band mm-hmm. and you get that, you know, it's like okay, this is my you know mechanical resonance. I love it. But wait, there's another 12 tracks on there of stuff that was recorded around this time. That's right. exciting stuff. And I think, you know, the more the longer you hang on to that stuff, the better it is. If we would have yeah. put it out shortly after and you just kind right. of let that yeah. stuff out, it doesn't mean as much. But today, no. for our fans, yeah. they would dig that. I think, sure. you, I think you're right. I think that's super cool. So you should go the Gene Simmons route and do the uh, Tesla experience where you charge $2,000, they can meet you, and then they get their vault with has all the CDs in it. I said, don't do that, because I want to afford some. I don't have <laughs> Yeah. I'd like, to, I'd like to afford I mean, it when it does happen. You know, Gene definitely knows how to play that card and make that money, God bless him. And, uh, yeah. Was there ever any talk of Tesla opening for Kiss back in the day? Uh we did a show with them in Spain. You did? Was it Spain? Yeah, Barcelona. I think it was. How'd that go? No, it wasn't Barcelona. It was in Spain somewhere. I mean, you know, it was. they were the headliner. We were on a festival date, so it's mm-hmm. not like we were just us. Right. There, right. You know, a testament was on there. I remember sitting with Chuck and hanging and watching their set, and they were watching our set. So it, it was cool, man. It was, a, it was a great hang, and it was good. Yeah. It was good, man. Our dressing rooms were all we had. We had shared this lit, the space here, and all the one dressing room, one you know. So you had these dressing rooms, so it was cool. We had one common area where we all hung oh, that's out. Cool. I remember hanging out with Gene and talking to Gene that yeah. day and visiting with him. And my cousin Scott Van Zen, you could look him up. He, oh, we know Scott. We had him on the show. Yeah, he's okay. been on this show. That's before. my cousin. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, and you know he wrote a lot with Gene. Yeah, he yeah. Did. yeah, yeah. He talked, I was around for all of that back then of the day and. I kept telling, but Gene's, you know, Gene's just, he, you know, he'd buy him out. He didn't give him no publishing, you know. Right. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure he didn't give him much. He a dollar. Sandwich and <laughs> <laughs> That's about what he told us. Yeah. yeah. He, he pretty much told us the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. He just moved out of town. I was, yeah. You know, he's out in Vegas Yeah, now. that's my cousin. Oh, yeah. I think he, I remember him telling yeah. me that. Yeah. 
good guy. Yeah, he played at the Rock and Pot Expo last year. Yeah, oh, uh, did the, he? well, the first cool. year. Yeah, oh, the he, first yeah, year. He was, that's he, right. his, he was in the Bad Company tribute band with Mangus right. and, and mm-hmm. those guys and Sandy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Sandy Schnero. Yeah. yeah, another good drummer. Mm-hmm. So then we'll get to track seven, Modern Day Cowboy, which this is. I mean, this song doesn't need much of an introduction because it's pretty much one of your biggest staples. Yeah, this is the song that broke you guys, right? Absolutely, it was yeah. our first single. Um, it was the song that hit. MTV that David Lee Roth caught wind of while they were looking for a band to open the Eat em and Smile tour. And um, as he told it to us when he met us, he said that he watched 36 bands. That's, I remember that number mm-hmm. from him saying, yeah, I watched 36 bands. And we picked you guys because you just had something about you that was a little different. Yeah. And, you know, classic, and so it caught his attention, and that's how we ended up on the tour. How was that tour? That was awesome. Yeah, oh, I bet. yeah, that was Billy and you know Steve. Yeah, I, it was an incredible band. And, and my dear Bissonette. friend, awesome, great drummer, Greg Bissonette, yeah. and that was phenomenal. We only did it two months because I remember Cinderella was on it before we were, and we ended up our our first show, second show was a Meadowland sold out. Oh really? You know, back in New York. So I mean, we all, that whole tour was pretty much sold out. Big production. Yeah. A lot of lights. You know, it was all of that big blown out. Yeah. Van Halen lighting. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, but that David was phenomenal. The band was phenomenal. Yeah, just just amazing. I mean, and I go back and I watch those videos. We're all Van Halen fans, absolutely. I mean, I think David's just a genius. Yeah. Total genius. Yeah. Possibly the best front man of all time. Possibly. Extraordinary. True entertainer. Yeah, just phenomenal. And, you know, I mean, you could watch Jim Dandy, right? Yeah, 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 that's true. I mean, you know, it all comes from somewhere, right? Oh, yeah, it definitely does. But But was he as uh, crazy at that time as people have said? Uh, You know, I mean, David was always in during the day. You never seen him. I mean, if you did see him, he was incognito. Uh, and he'd be out riding his bike, you know, glasses, sweatshirt, hoodie. You, you didn't, you know, he'd be out doing his thing, you know. Yeah. And if you did see him and he was present anywhere, there was always bodyguards. And if he was walking down the hallway, they'd clear the hallways. <laughs> That's just how it was. Yeah. You know, David was a rock star and he let everybody know it. And it was all about David. Bodyguards and midgets. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all good. Great, great parties. A lot of parties yeah. after, you know. And, um, yeah, that was a fun, great tour. That must have been a fun one to play. Yeah, no kidding. But with that, with Modern Day Cowboy, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, uh, I love the lyrics on this song, because it's, mm-hmm. which I want to give you guys props, because most 80s rock bands, you know, almost every song's about groupies and whatnot and partying and stuff. Well, yeah, and that you was guys never, didn't really that wasn't our to that. Th- that wasn't our thing until Don't Do Rock Me. Jeff kind of spilled it on that one, you know, but. Yeah. Um, no, that wasn't our thing, you know. When chicks weren't on our videos, and that's mm-hmm. just we're just straight up. But I appreciate that. But all the lyrics on that song is cool because it's got like it's basically like the history of war, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, Jeff war. had you know he 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 would get deep with a lot of his content. I mean, he did have something to say. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, he wasn't Bob Dylan, but hey, you know, at the same time, you know, there were moments for our rock and roll that it was. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can have Bob Dylan. I'll take Tesla. I'm sorry. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But yeah, it was like the Cold War lyrics, you know, USA, the USSR. Sure. I mean, I, yeah. You know, yeah. 
Yeah, and here we are today. It's, right. Yeah, we were talking about right that. Around, I mean, you know, it's still the same message, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, we were joking on the way here. I was like, yeah, back when uh, back when Russia was our enemy. Oh, wait a minute. Right. Here we are, 32 years later, <laughs> singing that same song, yeah. and it's still relevant. It's yeah. very relevant. Yeah. That's wild. What the, I love the, the giant gong hit you do at the very end of the song. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, there was a big gong at the end yeah, of the song. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I had a gong. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just reminiscing. Yeah, yeah, I just had to think about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I was in a video. I forgot. <laughs> Slam it with my suspenders, remember? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so good huh yeah just a great talk with troy can't thank him enough for coming on the show man he's an awesome dude yeah he is so of course you know just like always on the decibel geek podcast we want to encourage you to buy the music today we're talking about mechanical resonance Mm -hmm. tesla's got a whole catalog of amazing albums you know get out there and support this band they got a new album coming out in march yeah shock shock you got to get that one it's going to be pretty cool you know we're excited about that and of course we talked about the big show coming up at the ryman right here in our hometown in nashville tennessee yep come on down hang out with us and go see tesla doing some really cool stuff it's gonna be a fun night another cool thing we talked about uh, talked about with troy the other night was his troy shows up thing yeah it's a cool program he does he goes to schools across the country and uh, talks to kids basically about how, you know the, his accomplishments and overcoming addiction and and you know basically putting a, a good life together and and basically his motto is just show up half the work takes care of itself if you just show up right and yeah and if you spend ten minutes with Troy you know you see what a special dude this is so you know something to keep your eyes open for if you've got some sort of fundraising event or mm-hmm. you need a a somebody special to come talk to kids about you know being being safe you know staying away from drugs and alcohol and doing it in a rock and roll kind of way yeah you know because he dr- brings the drum kit and everything you know so it's a double fold thing not only are you warning kids about the dangers of drugs and alcohol but you're also turning them on to rock and roll and yeah. sweet drumming so you know it's yeah. a pretty cool thing so if you got an opportunity to use him for something like that i highly recommend it we saw some cool videos of some stuff he's done and it's 
really awesome. It is. And we'll have links to everything for that, also for the new Tesla album and the Tesla Ryman show coming up in Nashville in the show notes this week. Come party with us and Tesla yeah, right sure. here in Music City. Of course, we always got cool stuff going on here at Decibel Geek. You want to get over to Facebook and get in on the conversation, just look up Decibel Geek Podcast. There's all kinds of cool stuff going on there. We got our good buddy Coxie taking care of it for us. Great conversation. You like to get on the internet and converse with fellow hard rock and metal fans? You know, that's the place to do it. Mm-hmm. If you like to watch videos of all your favorite bands performing all around the world, we can't be everywhere. And there's so many good shows going on all over the place. Where are you going to get everything you're missing out on? I'll tell you where. Decibel Geek TV. That's right. Rock and Ron Runyon running the show over there. It's an exclusive rock and roll channel yep. with all your favorite bands. Yep. And if you like what we're doing here, Rock and Ron also converts our shows into video episodes. So you get mm-hmm. the whole gamut of emotion. Yeah, you get the visual also. Yeah, all of it. It's great. Check that on, out. Over on YouTube. Just and look it, up Decibel Geek TV. Yes, and of course, DecibelGeek.com. you got to check it out. That's where this all originates from. When we want to know what's going on in the world of rock, we go to DecibelGeek.com. We learn about it. We come back. We tell you about it. You know? You don't have to skip the middleman. We prefer you stick around and listen to us, but you can get ahead and get on it, in on it with us at the same time by getting all your news and information, reviews, all kinds of good stuff over at DecibelGeek.com. Do it now. Get yeah. a T-shirt. Yeah, definitely get a T-shirt. Get a Decibel Geek T-shirt. I want to see more pictures on our Facebook page of people wearing Decibel Geek T-shirts to cool rock shows. Definitely. That'd be fun for us. We yeah. would like that. Cool. I guess all the shilling's out of the way now, so let's get back to the fun stuff. Let's do it. Exciting, you know, still fresh and new. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, big budgets. Yeah. You know, you can do things pretty for real, not like today with what's happening with a lot of the bands, including us, you know. I mean, you don't have those budgets anymore. Right. right. You know, to do the videos. But uh, people are still making them, but it's, you know, it's a different time. Yeah. Well, and the technology's changed, too, where you don't really need all that stuff to make a video like that, you know, where you have to have a crew and all this you can do that stuff on your phone. No, not necessarily. Not the stuff we were doing you can't do on the phone. I mean, they were setting stuff up. They would bring in... I mean, I watched them when we put Heaven's Trail together. Mm. And I remember that video. I remember being out in the middle of nowhere, and they had this stage set up. And it was a killer stage. Mm. And it looked like... um, Man, it had ramps. It was just out in the middle of this field. It was just phenomenal. And in the middle of the shoot... I can't remember the director's name. Decided, scrapped the whole thing. A couple semis showed up. They put up a whole new stage, and they turned it in to Mad Max. Yeah. You know, fire and all this stuff. And I'm like, 
Heaven's Trail. Like, wow, that was freaking cool. Yeah, wow. you know. Wow. I mean, you know, those budgets are like four, three hundred fifty, four hundred thousand, yeah, five hundred thousand dollars. Right. But to make those videos, they would, they went out. Yeah, you can do that on an iPhone. No, no, you that's know, right. It's, I mean, it's a little different yeah, time, yeah. you know. But there are, you know, there are things that can be done, and there are some good things, you know, creatively. And I get that, but mm-hmm. I mean, there was really a lot going into that stuff back in the day, and a lot of money being spent. Well, MTV could make or break you at the time. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? You had to be competitive, right? Yeah, sure. So yeah, a lot of competition. Always trying to. So changes. Uh, who's playing the piano on that? Frank. Frank is okay. Yeah. Um, now you know the thing about that is, if I remember correctly, it might have been. Is it Tom? Tom? Oh really? But, uh, uh, that was Tommy. Oh, who the wrote gu- that, yeah. I believe. The guitar part kind of reminds me of Gimme Shelter. I think a so. Bit. I think and Frank, you know, there. But there was, you know, I think I'd have to go back and look at the writing credits on that. But um, I think. Changes. Yeah, I probably have to look on the sleeve. Probably, you know, does it have yeah. it on there? Actually, changes. Changes. All of us, yes, Keo, all of us. Everybody. Yeah, we're all on that one because, yeah, that's right. We all had a part in that one. And I remember um, that not being in that week that we probably wrote. Um, or maybe it was. I, I, But I do remember that song coming together, having that riff, and spending the day, and and, and pretty much it was done. Yeah. You know, it was one of those times that just really came together. Sometimes it happens, you know. Yeah. Not always, but right. You know, sometimes you got to slave over a few things, work out some play. But we were pretty good about that. Yeah, writing a song and pretty much having it flushed out in a day. Yeah, you know, pretty introspective lyrics on it too. Yeah, yeah, yes, absolutely. Which it would be in to this year's show. Huh? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, nice. Right on. That's a great song. Mm-hmm. What are these symbols? Do you know what they mean? I think no, they're just. Uh, I don't know what they do. <laughs> What's that one? Uh, I think they're just. You know, for me, they just look like uh, you know computer parts. Yeah. You know, and oh, uh, speakers and yeah. just different. You know, electronics. Insignia, electronic stuff. Yeah. You know, no machines and just yeah, mechanical resonance. Cool. That's cool. So then, uh, Little Susie's the next song on here. I, I got to get the story. I mean, who brings that the, the PhD song to you guys, and what's your? I was not in like? the band. Oh, okay. And uh, Ronnie Montrose brought Little Susie to Tesla and produced the first demo of it before really? I was in the band. Wow! It was Ronnie Montrose's idea. 
And huh. forever, I didn't even know that was a cover until like a week ago. And then I saw the video and I was like, this is a weird song. And then to hear the Tesla version of it, that's a great song. But the other one, I mean, there's no guitars in it or anything. It's very so the, so the thing about that is, I believe it was the fifth song that hit MTV. Right, yep. yeah. Fifth was it a fifth? Yeah, fifth one. Fifth yeah. one spun, yeah. Uh, I think Pat Benatar was the first, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, she you was better the first. Run. Yeah. She, well, the first video the, killed the, the bubbles. Yeah, video the killed the radio. Oh, star. video killed yeah, the radio. Yeah, yeah. that was the first. But right. I think Maybe Pat Benatar was. was right after that. And then there was like 10 Rod Stewart videos that kept getting played over and over again. Right, and they snuck in one Uriah Heap in there somewhere. Yeah. Nice. But the PhD song did not get much play on on there or anything. But right. It's such a strange because like if you listen to it, it's like wow. I mean, Tesla really I, you know, inside yeah. out. I don't remember the original version. I don't even know if I had heard it. I never probably even heard it at the time. I never heard the original. So we it just not. and then Max Norman came in because he was going to be one of the producers on the first album as potential. We got together with him and I remember he extended the B section pre-chorus. And um, that was one part that we kept. But outside of that, I mean, it was Ronnie Montrose who brought it. They probably have the original demo that Ronnie did, and that'll come out, you oh, know, cool. with what you were talking about. You yeah. Know, if we ever get those extra tracks out, those dead tracks. But that'd be cool here. Yeah. think it's an original of your yeah because like signs you know people yeah. looking you know yeah it's got such a signature tesla sound to it you know you, it's hard to listen to the other version We're like oh man everything's missing you know we've we've we made those songs ours Definitely. just like signs you for know? sure yeah I, I was in high school when signs blew up and out yeah that you couldn't get away from that no song on the radio. you couldn't i remember yeah. that that was a that was a good time Huge. and that's so nice when you get that kind of exposure. Sure. Yeah. You know. I pray to God we get some some love on this new album, you know. I hope that works out. Yeah, I think you will. Just out of curiosity, what you know, for a band that's been there and done it like you guys have, you know, you've had some pretty high highs in your career. What's the expectation like when you're releasing an album? Like you I don't think you expect it to sell like like this did in the year that it came out. What what is your expectation I'll tell you, well, I'll tell nowadays? You what, I'll give you a quote from Brian Weed, our bass player. Okay. This is what he says. He goes, "Don't get your expectations up. Don't expect anybody to buy it. Don't expect radio to play it. Just don't get your expectations up." 
you know, no, and I'm like, nowhere to go but up, I so, guess. So I was like, yeah, right, that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nowhere to go but up. I mean, I'm so like, anything's good, all right. Great, but, but, you know, i got to be honest with you. I've got all kinds of expectations and hope. Of right. course. I'm not, not expectations, it's hope. Yeah. Right. You know, more than anything. I'm hoping that people will acknowledge it and see it for what it is because I'll tell you what, it's a good record. Yeah. And their songs, it's our hysteria. And with Phil Collin at the helm, yes, there's some leopardish overtones in the record. We can't help it because he's singing on it too, mm-hmm. playing on it, co wrote everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just a fact. Right. And it's okay. We let him. We said, hey, do make the record you want to make. We're mm-hmm. here. You love the band. You want to produce the record. Awesome. Yeah. What do, you, what do you want? What do you need from us? Let's do it. Oh. Let's go. Let's have some fun. And we did. Awesome. And he did it. I'll play it for you in a bit. Yeah, I'm excited to hear it. Mm-hmm. So uh, what can you tell me about the song Love Me? Love Me? Yeah. That's not on the first album. Yeah. It's uh, right after Little Susie. Really? Yeah. I think it is. Man. Yeah, it is. No way. Track 10. God, I thought it was. <laughs> like I said, I'm glad it was on the first album. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what about Love Me. Um, it was one of those songs. I liked the riff, you know, mm-hmm. and I liked the song. After we got done recording it, nobody wanted to play it. Jeff just couldn't sing it. Love me. You uh, know, he's like, I'm not going to go out there and sing that song. Sometimes they're just made for the record. Yeah. And they're not made to be played live. Right. right. And I think that's one of those songs that just leave it on, you know, people enjoy it great. I mean, it's, you know, it's love me. It's what they call the filler There's nothing deep in it, right? Yeah. Right. But it's filler, filler. Day, that could have been a huge hit, right? You know, right. Like that. Well, you just know, like the, all, the, all the fans, that the ele- it had that formula and the elements mm. to be that kind of a song, right? Yeah, that's yeah. What I'm saying. Uh, and, and but uh, you like Ask Extreme, how's that go? The one song that's right. unlike all the rest becomes your right. hit signature yeah, yeah, song. Yeah, it's just I'm the one who wants uh, or Beth, <laughs> you know, Beth by Kiss, yeah. you know, they didn't want that on the record, they didn't want, they didn't want, um. Love song on the record. Nobody wanted love song on the record. Our management, our producers, um, and the label. Really? That's pretty wild the way that works sometimes. You would think that would be the one they would go for. They didn't get it. They thought it was three good parts of the song and three great parts that were parts, and it just wasn't a song. Because it didn't have the traditional chorus. That's why you're the musicians in there. Well, we fought for it. We got it. It works. So it's all yeah. good. It sold two million records. Wow, that's Top ten hit. hit. That yeah. song was all over the place too. Yeah. I mean, especially on MTV. I remember it got played all the time on yeah. MTV. Yeah, that was a big one for us. What I know, Chris and I talked about this a little bit on the way over here. When I was a kid, and you know, not knowing about the bands that I'm listening to, I'm just getting turned on by you know, I got cool uncles, I got cool cousins. It was one of my cousins that turned me on to this album. It was cassette tape. And thinking, like, 
because no one like my dad's music and stuff he listened to. I always assumed that Tesla was a, was a southern rock band hmm. because I always thought I think especially compared to like other bands of the strip because around that time I'm you know learning about Motley Crue, I'm learning about Poison, I'm learning about the bands that are big at the time that are coming out. But Tesla was always way different to me than some of these like the other bands that were popular at that time. And I always thought you guys had like almost like a southern rock feel to you. Do you, mm-hmm. do you test that thing? Well, you know yeah, because about? absolutely, I know what you're talking about, and um, that's Frank. You know, Frank loves that stuff. And uh, ironically, all these years later, I mean, he still to this day still does that and still loves that. Yeah, and that's why he does the Frank Cannon band, and he still puts those records out with a lot of that kind of music. And Ironically, Dickie Betts is his father-in-law. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, he married Christy 15 years ago. I don't know how long ago. Wow, that's cool. uh, He's a huge Allman Brothers fan, Dickie fan. He plays all that stuff and uh, loves Southern Rock, as we all do. Skinner, I mean, absolutely. You know, so, yeah. Yeah, Jeff's a big Skinner fan, too. All of us, everybody. Everybody loves I mean, how could you not, you know? And another band like that from a different era, but from the same place, was CCR. Well, CCR was... Everybody always thought they were a southern band. Eric Martin Band did... um, We did um, American Bandstand. Mm -hmm. And Dick Clark asked everybody, you know, and some of who, Led Zeppelin, this... You know, you had all these different... And and I said, Creedence Clearwater, because that's what I grew up with. So, yeah, man, that was... We had a mixed bag of goodies. Everybody kind of had their own little thing, and I think that's what really makes made it, it work. Makes it special, right. you know. Yeah, and I had the same thought he did when I was a kid. I I didn't know you were from California. I always thought you yeah. were Southern Rock. And I was born in Lodi, ironically. But those, you know, I was listening to all that stuff growing up. Huge Credence fan. Love Credence. Still do. Yeah, it's like the the heavy metal Bakersfield sound, hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went with my mom to see it was Fogarty wasn't with them, but we saw uh, Crazy Clearwater Revisited, mm-hmm. which is basically the rest of the guys with another right. guy singing. Yeah, Doug Clifford's on drums and that. Yeah. yeah, and it was one of those things where you, you go to the show and you're like, Yeah, I remember I remember CCR, they had like these five songs and then they start playing each one and then you're like, Okay, they played all their hits and they just keep well, that's playing. Well that's a perfect uh, example so of what I, that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. I mean and that's what puts Tesla into perspective. We weren't that band. We didn't have that. They had the hits. They mm-hmm. had the sound. They had their own thing. And, you know, we were a byproduct of the 80s. Mm. They were Creed's Clearwater Revival, their own, you know, mm. sound right. with, in, in a time of not being anybody else than themselves with this great catalog of music. And they yeah. just, I mean, wrote so many great songs, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, again, fast forward. Here we are, thirty-two years later. We have a great catalog, yeah, and do. we got a new record. Yeah, right. that's cool. But Very you cool. know, I mean, those were different days, man. Yeah, different but to time. our generation, uh, you guys are in the same. Well, that's cool. To us. But I, right. but I think that's true. Yeah, and I and I get that, you know. Yeah, and I love that. Yeah, and I can accept that today. Well, look, the fact that. Yeah, you know, we grew up watching you on MTV. The fact that we're sitting here talking to you, I mean, I don't take that lightly at all. Oh, no. nice, man. I mean, and still talking about this album yeah. all these years later. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, these... Yeah. These, and, you know, and I know your fan base is an incredibly loyal fan base. Absolutely. Tesla fans 
love you guys. So, I mean, it's it's one of the best fan bases in rock. And we need all these fans to go out and buy some uh, Ryman tickets yeah. in Nashville and be my hometown and fill that place up and right. make it a real special evening because we do have a great show this year. I can't year. wait to see it. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. I'm excited about that. And can't beat going to the Ryman and seeing Absolutely. the best acoustics in the world. February 19th. February 19th. Yeah, we don't want to forget about that. When's yeah. the new album coming out? March 8th. Oh, yeah. That, too. Everybody's got to get that. Yes. Mm-hmm. You'll be playing some stuff off the new record? Three songs. Awesome. Right on. So let's get back to the last couple tracks. Cover Queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's kind of different from the rest of the album to me. I think mm-hmm. this one almost has more of the 80s sound to Frank it. Frank was looking. He had that riff. I remember him coming in going, you know, just playing that riff, and we're like, Nice. And what's really cool, if you check out how I come in on the drums, mm-hmm. I'm playing a real different beat because I'm playing the right of the bell and the hi-hat. And, and, and I was listening to, it's a really a rip-off from Steve Gadd, one of my all-time mm. favorite drummers. And I remember I was watching this video, and it wasn't nothing pretentious on it just kind of happens sometimes your influences you know you come out they just kind of happen sure. and they come out and you're working on this and you're doing that and and i didn't realize it was like a complete ripoff from what he played i seen it on his video and i'm like oh my god that's cover queen <laughs> 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 but it's so freaking cool man and the way he played it and uh and, uh, and that's what i put on the record and it came out really really nice it's kind of a unique drum part fun song to play I remember being in the studio and Frank doing all that talk box stuff and mm-hmm. I remember you know Frank I, I think one time he just got up there during the first record and there was a lot of pot smoking and stuff going on everybody smoked pot back then and you know whether they were drinking or not and we'd work till two in the morning yeah. it didn't matter that's how records were being made back sure. in the day it wasn't you know no nine to five gig it wasn't about that at all it was all about just capturing the moment and you know, and and I, I think I think he was up there in his underwear or something, standing <laughs> on the console, you know, just rocking out, jamming, you know. Uh, and he was just, you know, I mean, he's 17, 18 years old. Yeah, he was having time, a good time. You know, and just, he was awesome. a kid, decided to take his pants off and be in his underwear and jump on the console, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's any footage or photos. I, there was so much amazing classic stuff when I think back and I look back in the day, you know. Did anybody have a... I have some of that stuff. Did anybody have a camcorder and film some of the studios? We have... If we could just dig all that stuff out, we could just really do a 
an amazing. His fans would eat that up. It, yeah. it really would. Uh, you know, it would take some time for us to dig all that footage up, and I sure hope it, it does see the light of day be sometime cool. because that's really looking back now, thirty years later, it's cool. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. A, you know. Yeah, and so like, it is. Like stuff like, oh, I completely forgot we did that. Right. You know? yeah. yeah. That's cool. Embarrass ourselves. <laughs> uh, so then the album closes with Before My Eyes, and, and this is something that really doesn't happen much on albums anymore, but is the big epic song at the end of a record that has a long build-up to mm-hmm. it, which, because back then you would consume an album all at one time, which, you know, people don't see the point in that anymore, but... I love the way the album ends with this because the, the song has so much atmosphere and it sure. you know, takes up space and it's a great way to end There's a song I wish we were playing live. We've played it in the past and that's a fun one. Yeah. And I like the space in it and it's, I like the yeah. vibe and the guitars. It's a great and, song. Uh, and it is, you know, it sounds like, you know, like the band's on Acid Trip or something, <laughs> you know. Uh, and, and that's what it was supposed to be. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, you know, back in the day, you know, I mean, you know, I'm sober today, and it's interesting that I'd be having this conversation, but, you know, back then, you know, it was cool to smoke a joint and put on a pair of headphones. Yeah. Sure. You know, kind of get lost in the music. Yeah. Put on Dark Side of the Moon. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I've done You that. know, but that was about the best we could do with that, what we had going on at that time. And, yeah. And, and that's our kind of a, you know... Smoke a joint, put some headphones on, and trip out. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Right. This many years later, it seems like you have a, a really good appreciation for, for its place. I do now, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And uh, and it's funny, I just when Frank starts shipping these songs over, getting into the set, to sh- you know, with what's going on right now and digging up some old stuff, and I started listening to some of these songs. And I, I put them all into my iTunes and just, I don't know, 25 songs, I think. I'm listening to all these songs go by, and I'm like, Wow, that's really great, you know. Wow, wow, that was really cool. I don't remember, you know. Yeah, that kind of stuff, and just listening, having a new appreciation. It's like a new set of ears, you know. Right. And um, 
Sometimes you're just too close to it, man. And you, you know, yeah, it's the yeah, forest yeah. through the tree thing. You know, yeah. trees through the forest. You just can't see it. And I think that's what what it was. We were had so much going on, you know. And um, it was, you know, the band was young and nobody really knew a whole lot, which was kind of cool. A lot of innocence. Very innocent time. You know, and, yeah. and that's what's cool about doing those things. It's like, like when I hear Motley Crue right now, I love I love their hits. And mm-hmm. I think of those songs they are so big. And I listen to Tommy and he sounds so amazing. And I'm like, I mean, I was missing a lot of stuff back in the day. I just wasn't paying close enough attention and I didn't for everything that was happening that I should have been just in awe inspired I just never mm. I just kind of looked at bands like okay yeah they're cool yeah okay I wasn't like because you're inside the bubble yeah world. well we were out in that world with everybody uh, right and, and it wasn't that I thought we were less or more than it wasn't about that I was just still I mean quite honestly I was still I uh, and I don't even hate to admit it. I remember blasting Neil Diamond on the bus, you know, mm-hmm. while they're blasting Metallica, <laughs> you know. And uh, But I had Brother to Brother, Gino Vanelli, and I had all kinds of crazy records that I was listening to. Maynard Ferguson and, you know, stuff nobody wanted to hear. <laughs> nobody wanted to hear it. They just thought I was like, really? Uh, yeah, Tommy Skeel knew I was the total geek of the band. He's like, dude... You know, I, I think I just got on his nerves, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> but everybody did. and He was like you know, he was like straight up rock and roll all the Tommy time. Tommy was just straight up, man. Yeah. And I get that today. And I probably, you know, and, and I think, you know, that was my contribution to the band. You know, I had all this other stuff going on, and I was stuck in the 70s listening to Deep Purple Burn, and, yeah. you know, and playing all that good music, Jimi Hendrix. And, I mean, I was Mitch Mitchell, and, you know, I listened to a lot of music. Jeff Carr was a big you know, I was listening to Toto. Nobody wanted to hear Toto. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, but, yeah, but you probably turned them on to some stuff they didn't. They well, wouldn't really get a chance to. I think what there might be an appreciation for what I've brought over the years. And if you talk to Tommy Skio, he will tell you in his opinion. And I know this because he always let me know that. Yeah, you're a freaking nerd, and you're this and you're that, but you're absolutely the greatest rock and roll drummer on the planet. Right on. Well, that's good enough, right? Yeah. That's how he <laughs> thought of me. And not that it's true, but that was his perception. Right. And if that's his perception and he believed that, then that's cool. And I really love what he brought and what, what Frank brought. And now we got Dave all these years later, and it's got a different energy He's and a new thing. Too. And Dave's so great. I mean, we couldn't have a better guy in the band. And, you know, um, yeah, we've really come a long way. It seems like you guys are in a in a good place chemistry wise. We are. Yeah. We all get along and we care about what we're doing and you know, it hasn't been any drugs or not even a beer backstage since oh four. Oh good. No alcohol, nothing. You can't find an ounce of nothing on our Tesla tour. That's just how we roll. Yeah. It's just you know, just we figured it out and we decided we wanted to stay together. Do the best we can and figure out how to do it, you know, and be present. Yeah. At least if we suck, we suck. I don't you think know. you have to worry. You know what I'm no. saying? It's not going to be because we're too high and we can't play. Well, right. no, you guys, I mean, I've, I don't think I've ever heard one bad show review ever of you guys. You, you guys are always ready. We're consistent. Once, once, it's, once yeah. it's time to hit the stage, you guys yeah, know what you're supposed consistent. to do. I'm curious to what's going to happen with this new record because there are some different sounds and production, and it'll be interesting to see what we choose to do and how to pull that off. And this was a record where we let 
a producer come in and really produce the band and bring that Mutt Lang to the band, and he's a junior Mutt Lang. Yeah. Yeah. That's all he knows. That's what he does, and there was nobody to do it better, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, Phil, I can't say enough amazing things about his time and his commitment that he put into this band and this record. And he's He will tell you in an interview that this is the record of the century. Wow. Period. And that's what he believes. He loves this record. And I love the fact that he loves it. And I love it, too. And I love what he did for the record, you know. I mean, he had dedicated so much time. Uh, he hung it all out there. Right on. You know, and you're going to hear that when just a minute here. Yeah, I'm excited to hear yeah, it. Yeah, look forward to that. Well, so, um, and I guess it's going to be available at all digital outlets and what record Everywhere. stores are left. It's all there. I've already <laughs> seen all the media push and everything they've got on it. It's every Target exclusive and all that. Awesome. And if you're uh, in anywhere near Nashville, February 19th? February 19th on a Tuesday night at the Ryman. Come to the Ryman. Yeah. Hang out with us. Watch Tesla blow minds like they always do. <laughs> well, thank you, man. Well, thanks for doing the show, man. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks, thanks Aaron. Man. Thank you, Chris. Sure. Appreciate you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.